Welcome to the Movie Planet Season 4, Episode 5. This week we are talking about 1989's Major League. With Joe. Shit! I've been cut already? Joel. Ball four. Ball eight. Low and Vaughn has walked the bases loaded on 12 straight pitches. And JC. I got a right here in my contract says I don't have to do any calisthenics. I don't feel unnecessary. So what do you think about that? Welcome, Wahoo Maniacs, to another season of the Movie Pantheon, the place where we watch movies that at least one of us feels you must see before you die, and let you know whether they hold up by today's standards or a bit more of nostalgia. Well, let's start with the introductions. I'm your host, Joel, and with me, as always, is the Monty and Harry Doyle to my my Lou Brown, Joe and JC. Welcome back. We have our Coors Light. We have our cheap beer in plastic cups. For a baseball movie, I nominated Major League for the Pantheon of, it changed last second, comedy movies. Yes, you did have it as a sports movie. Because I watched this movie twice this week, and I was watching, I was like, I, this is, I was like, this may be more of a comedy than sports. And so then I texted them, and they said, sure. And (laughs) so far in the comedy movie Pantheon, it is comprised of seven and only seven films. Ooh. Currently, the films with their average grades are as such. Now, to be honest, JC was not with us when we did Dumb and Dumber. He didn't get a say in it, so we are going to re-alter the uh, Pantheons when uh, he gives his grade officially. His grade will go into the show that we do November 10th of this year when we do Dumb and Dumber. We're going to release that show on November 10th. Um, but as of right now, just a little sneak preview, Dumb and Dumber ends up with a B-plus average, a 10.75. So it's not going to be a perfect A, and it does get knocked down, mainly because of the grades of uh, Sam, who gives it a B, and JC, who gives it a B-plus. So those two brought Joel and my grades down from the A that it was. So it was a little bit more of a consensus, if you will. Caddyshack, Dumb and Dumber, <laughs> Mean Girls, and Spaceballs. All four perfect A's. Hey, let me just say. Which is completely invalid because anybody listening to the show now knows that Dumb and Dumber will drop out the minute I give my score because that is not an A. <laughs> what would, okay, well, just out of curiosity, what would you score Dumb and Dumber? Probably, it, being honest, because I do personally hate it, but I have to realize that there is some brilliant comedy stuff in it. I, honestly, I'd probably give it at the highest, maybe a B plus, but probably realistically a B. That's better than I thought you were going to give. I was going to say, I thought you were going to go C or lower. In terms of like yeah. the, the like it stuff, no, like I, I, I would trash it, I would garbage it, but I do have to acknowledge that it is Jeff Daniels and John Car- or Jim Carrey do do some great stuff. It's just, it's not. It's not, spe- and I'm also surprised at Mean Girls as far as a comedy. Mean Girls is a brilliant comedy. No, I just I never thought of so it as a comedy. I, I've seen fe- Mean Girls, but like Spaceballs, Caddyshack, like how is Dumb and Dumber up there with Spaceballs and Cat? Like that just uh, that doesn't make sense. Well, below those four are Ghostbusters 1984, which should be higher, and <laughs> an anemic Ghostbusters <laughs> 16. 
with a surprising average of a C minus. Can't we get another real comedy up in here? Can I get an amen? <laughs> um, so regardless, Major League will go in. Yes. Just a matter but of where. Where will it go is the real question. Um, now, the higher the grade we give it, the longer it may be staying in there. Only a film with a higher grade can kick it out on its butt from the Pantheon in the future. So we will discuss the movie. And in an hour or so, we will analyze it, grade it, and figure it out. Figure out if this movie gets a high enough aggregate grade to be worthy of a place up on the top of the Pantheon of comedy movies. Now, this is a spoiler-rich podcast, so if you have not seen Major League, then go sit in a hole and stay there. <laughs> it's also best if you stop right here, watch the movie, was a better option. Um, what if we really yep. like our hole? Right now, well... And it's warm and moist. Luckily, in 2018, we have devices that we can take with us to our holes, as long as that hole has Wi-Fi access. Go watch Major League, turn us back on, and enjoy the movie discussion, then give us a five-star review. Um, now that we've handled the business, let's get to our Movie of the week, 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 week. Oh, man. <laughs> this week we are talking about 1989's Major League, an R-rated comedy. This film was written and directed by David Ward, starring Tom Berenger as Jake Taylor, Charlie Sheen as Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn, Corbin Burnson as Roger Dorn, Margaret Witten as Rachel Phelps, James Gammon as Lou Brown, <laughs> Rene Russo as Lynn Westland, Bob Euchre as himself as oh, Harry Doyle, just a bit outside. <laughs> Wesley Snipes as Willie Mays Hayes. Uh, you may play, you may run like Mays, but you hit like well, shit. Oh, you may run like <laughs> Mays, but you hit like shit. You can edit me out. <laughs> Charles Cyphers as Charlie Donovan, Chelsea Ross as Eddie Harris, and Dennis Haysbert as Pedro Serrano. A.K.A. President, President Palmer. <laughs> President 24-7. Oh, man. It's time for Joe to go over the making of the movie in his segment called Inception to Perception, <laughs> where he explains how the movie got off the ground in 10 minutes or less starting. Don't get on the set. Get ready to shoot. And then ask no. for rewrites. Studios do this crap all the time, and they wonder why they end up with a shit movie. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Movie? You know, I hate the word movie. I don't make movies. I make films. Okay, so the film's opening montage is a series of somber blue-collar images of the Cleveland landscape synchronized with the score of Randy Newman's Burn On, an ode to the infamous day in Cleveland when the heavily polluted Cuyahoga River caught fire. <laughs> That's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, despite being set in Cleveland, the film was principally shot in Milwaukee, or in Wayne's world, did you learn, Milwaukee, which means the good land. Uh, because it was cheaper and the producers were unable to work around the schedules of the Cleveland Indians and Cleveland Browns. Milwaukee County Stadium, then the home of the Brewers and three Green Bay Packers games per season, doubles as Cleveland Stadium for the film, although several exterior shots of Cleveland Stadium were used, including some aerial shots taken during an Indians game. Which makes sense now to why they had Bob Euchre, the announcer. Yes. Because he was the Milwaukee Brewers announcer. Still is. In fact, the sign for the TV station atop the scoreboard is for WTMJ. Uh, the NBC affiliate for Milwaukee. One of the ending scenes of the movie is in West, West Milwaukee's legendary restaurant, Fourth Base, which showcases their unique horseshoe bar that is shown in the celebration scenes. Another res restaurant scene at the then Grits Pizzazz on Milwaukee's north side is no longer open for business. Both facilities have since been demolished. The playing field of County Stadium is now a Little League baseball field known as Hellfair Field, while the rest of the former site is now a parking lot for the Brewers' new home, Miller Park. 
the new Cleveland Browns Stadium, now First Energy Stadium, a football-only facility owned by the city of Cleveland and used by the Browns, sits on the site of its predecessor. So nothing from this movie was really salvaged at all. Sad. <laughs> The film was notable for featuring several actors who would go on to stardom. Snipes and Russo were relative unknowns before the movie was released, while Haysbert remained best known as Pedro Serrano until he portrayed U.S. President David Palmer on the television series 24. The longshoreman, who is occasionally seen commenting and is shown in the final celebration inside a bar, is Neil Flynn, the janitor from Scrubs. These guys ain't too fucking bad. This is Flynn's first credited movie role. He's credited. Good for him. Yeah. The film, was, the film also featured former Major League players, including 1982 American, Le- Cy, American League Cy Young winner uh, Pete Vukovic. 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 Thank you. He was a Philly. Vukovic. A Philadelphia Philly. As Yankees first baseman Clue Hayward. Haywood. 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 Sure. Who's Wood? Former Milwaukee Brewers pitcher Willie Muller is the Yankees pitcher Duke Simpson, known as the Duke. And former Los Angeles Dodgers catcher Steve Yeager as third base coach Duke Temple. Why are they all Dukes? Because hmm. they put the Dukes up. Because up that, was, Dukes. that was baseball in the 80s. Everyone was a Duke. Former catcher and longtime Brewers broadcaster Bob Euchre played the Indians broadcaster Harry Doyle. The names of several crew members were also used for, for peripheral characters. Sheen himself was a pitcher on his high school's baseball team. At the time of filming Major League, his own fastball topped out at 85 miles per hour. In 2011, Sheen, bad. Sheen said that he had used steroids for nearly two months to improve his athletic abilities in the film. Love that. I believe that. I, I believe that totally. It. It's his tiger blood. <laughs> and in 2017, Morgan Creek announced plans to reboot their classic films from the 1980s and 90s as no. television series or movies following the success of the Exorcist television series reboot. Several films in early stages of development include films such as Young Guns, Ace Ventura, and Major League. Hey, total disaster. Now, does it hit your 25 years, though, or your 30 years rule or whatever? It will. It will. I, I don't like it. <laughs> Here's that, I mean, Major League, maybe. Young Guns, I don't know. Young Guns was good. It was a Western. It's, but, a, it's a very good Western. But no one, no one else is going to be able to do Ace Ventura. We've talked about it. Yeah. We'll find that in the old show. But guys, do you remember the first time you saw this and what were your initial feelings after seeing it? JC, we will start the, with The first you. time I saw it was on TBS. I know it was on uh, the normal TV, and I, I liked it. It was a movie move. It was a baseball movie, so I liked it because it was a baseball movie. I w- remember watching it young enough to be able to be like, wait, what their lips are saying doesn't match what I hear. <laughs> and like, I, it was, But I was young enough to not know like they were blocking swear words. So this is one of those first movies where I was like, wait, what? what what's going on here? <laughs> And then the first time I saw it, like, unedited was my roommate in college had it on DVD, and we just watched it one afternoon. And I'm like, this is so much funnier. (laughs) Like, it was, I literally was pissed. I'm like, I've seen this movie so many times on TBS and TNT and things, and I'm like, it's so much funnier. Yeah, I was pretty young. Uh, I I didn't see it in theaters. It was a video rental. I I remember thinking how funny it was as a kid, and I know it ended up being a movie that I eventually owned on VHS and watched the hell out of when I was a teenager. Joel? Yeah, I remember loving Major League 2 because Major League 2 was the one that was always on TV. Like, always, always, always on TV. It was on, uh, like, the ABC Family, which is now Freeform, which was before then Fox Family. I don't know why it was always They keep changing the name. (laughs) Yeah. 
people buying people. But I was sick from school one day, and my mom went to like store Target or something, and I she asked if I wanted anything or a movie. I said, "Look for the first Major League," and they happened to have it. And she brought it back, and we actually didn't know it was rated R until like we got it back to the house. And she was like, "Eh," we were like, "It's '80s R." She said, "I don't remember it being bad." Um, and I remember it was a very different feel for Major League Two. My first reaction because I was used to the flowy PG thirteen comedy of Major League Two, and I was like, "This is a little more serious and a little more edgy as far as what they're saying." But it's on every time I've watched it, it's only grown on me more and more. So we're gonna move move on to the summaries. If you all were to give this movie a summary in ten words or less, what would you do, JC? Funny baseball movie hits a home run in our funny bones. Oh, look at that. Joe. Bob Euchre narrates rags to riches baseball team of losers. And mine is team of misfits <laughs> come together to keep base Cleveland baseball alive. Yes. Because of 1995. All righty then. <laughs> <laughs> what else? Up you, but before Joe then. Boo. <laughs> before then. Um. Anyway, listen to the roar of the crowd as the Indians take the field. Yes, sir, they love this club here in Cleveland. Just a reminder, fans, about Die Hard Night coming up here at the stadium. Free admission to anyone who was actually alive the last time the Indians won a pennant. Here's to the thrill of defeat, Charlie. Kellner delivers. Here's a swing and a high fly ball to center field. He's under it. Hey, makes a basket catch, Willie Mays style. And the side is retired. All right, well, look out there. Hey, nice catch, hey. Don't ever do it again. All right, let's go. Let's get it going. Bottom of the first, and Willie Mays Hayes to lead it off for the Wigwamers. A lot of people say you can tell how the season's going to go by the first hitter of the year. Brewster into the wind and comes to the plate. Oops. Hey, here's a hot shot toward the hole. Rudy knocks it down, fires the first. Late Hayes beat it. Hey, give Rudy a credit for sacrificing his body on that racket. That guy's got a family to think about. So, the synopsis of the movie, courtesy in most part by IMDb, ed- IMDb edited by yours truly. Yes. Hi, truly. Well, I'm with you fellers. <laughs> Rachel Phelps, a former Las Vegas showgirl, has inherited a Cleveland Indians baseball team, the Cleveland Indians baseball team, from her deceased husband. She wants to move the team to Miami, which has promised her a sweetheart deal, including a new stadium and some other goodies in the package as far as like a spa package and all. Her package? I don't know. This is an Ace Ventura. Finkel and Einhorn. Finkel and Einhorn. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Winky. In order to do so... Uh, she must reduce the season's attendance at Cleveland Stadium to under 800,000 tickets sold, which will trigger an escape clause in the team's lease with the city of Cleveland. Believing that finishing dead last will knock attendance down low enough for her to move, she instructs her new general manager, Charlie Donovan, to hire the worst team possible from a list that she has already prepared. Many guys who are past their prime, many who didn't even have a prime, one of which who is dead. Uh, the list includes a veteran catcher, Jake Taylor, who has problems with his knees and was last playing in Mexico. 
former star of the California Penal League, Ricky Vaughn, uh, fastball-only power-hitting outfielder Pedro Serrano, and future again President Palmer <laughs> of the United States of America in 24, who practices voodoo to try to help him hit breaking balls. A veteran pitcher and stereotypical Jesus freak, Eddie Harris, <laughs> who no longer has a strong throwing arm and is forced to doctor his pitchers with Vaseline. Um, a snowflake uh, third baseman, Roger Dorn, a one-time star who was under contract but has become a high-priced prima donna. Uh, as, ma- as manager Phelps hires Lou Brown, a career minor league manager of the Toledo Mudhens, uh, who works in the offseason as a tire salesman. I cannot hit curveball. Straight ball, I hit it very much. Curveball, that's our friend. At spring training in Tucson, Arizona, the brash and flashy Willie Mays Hayes crashes camp uninvited. Security (laughs) catches him and ends up sneaking him out in his sleep and moves his bed outside overnight. Waking up outside to the noise of practice and a gunshot during sprinting drills, apparently, because they use guns. The speedy center fielder jumps into a sprinting drill in his PJs and barefoot and is soon given a uniform and asked to join the team after displaying his running speed. All right. Uh, Let's there's a lot that's happened here. Uh, A couple things. One, I love the sports shots in this movie. My favorite shot in this film is watching the two sprinters and the way that they framed it. And you see Willie Mays come up from the back. Yeah. And the way he becomes he's out of focus and he's becomes the one that is focused completely. Yeah. The guys don't look like they're like letting up in the running. That's literally Wesley Snipes speed right there. Yeah. Shit. That's cut already. <laughs> cut already. Uh, I love that. I do like the introduction to each one of these characters. Let's be honest. The MLB is not going to prison to go get baseball players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure, uh, you know, commissioner might have a problem with that. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, so there are some leaps of faith you have to take with this film oh, to yeah. get off the ground with it. Yeah. Uh, that being said, I could listen to Lou Brown read a telephone book and be happy. Oh, absolutely. I would pay good money to have his voice and his mustache. Yeah, I actually told one of my roommates that when we were watching it. He's a cigar away from having his throat re- removed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, spring training reveals several problems with the new players. Vaughn throws gas, but has zero command. Oh, he's awful. Um, Hayes is fast, but only hits the ball in the air for an easy out. Uh, every time you hit that ball in the air, you owe me 10 pushups and Serrano can't hit a breaking ball to save his life. The veterans have their own problems. Dorn is afraid to get in front of the ball on defense for fear of hurting himself. Afraid that potential injuries will damage his upcoming contract negotiations. And it becomes clear clear that Taylor's bad knees will become a season season long concern. Every time a player displays one of these bad habits, Brown forces them to do push-ups or sit-ups on the spot. Anytime Wesley Snipes is on the screen, I'm happy. Yeah. Anytime. He's he's great and but I hated Dorn in this because who the hell carries their contract around with them when they're right. on the practice field? Well, I also <laughs> hated Dorn throughout Dorn this actually movie. might. <laughs> but that's the thing. I mean, it, it, it comes like you're you're aiming for a sense of realism here, and are they? Well, see, are what, they aiming for a sense of realism? That's why I switched it from because, like, watching this, I was like, "Oh, this is not a sports movie." Like, there's so many leaps of faith. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, and that's like we get into that in my bottom three. There's so many leaps of faith you have to take. I was like, we have to switch this to a comedy because that's what comedies are. Comedies are like things that you can overlook and be like, "Okay, that's silly." Right. Um, right. Okay. 
But <laughs> but on the final day, when Brown begins cutting the team down to 25 players, Dorn plays a practical joke on Vaughn by putting the red tag in his locker, making Prick. him believe that he was cut from the team. Cock. This results in a fisticuffs match between the two, Damn. and everyone jumps in to break it up. Taylor intervenes, telling Vaughn not to fight with Dorn and to save it for the field. Taylor would have been like, I'm going to break myself if I get in the middle of this thing. <laughs> I feel like Taylor really wanted to just let Dorn get punched in the face. Yeah. I feel like Taylor was in the wrong movie. Ooh. This is a comedy, right? Yeah. Every time Taylor's on the screen, it turns into a drama. Yeah, yeah I agree. Right. I 100% agree with you. Yeah, yeah, but that being said, can I just say, of all the spring training parts in movies I've seen, this is my favorite. Yeah, this is pretty good. Yeah, it's my favorite. Well, has every movie after it just copied it? No, because Bull Durham didn't. I don't remember Bull Durham. Bull Durham's won all of nominee at some point. Okay. It, it, that, it, that is Was that before? That might be my favorite baseball movie. That's a good one. Build of Dreams? No. After the team returns to Cleveland before <laughs> the season begins, Taylor takes Vaughn and Hayes out to dinner. What language is this? French? They got chili dogs over there? <laughs> But it comes across but comes across his ex-girlfriend Lynn, Ooh. who is in every 80s movie, and is <laughs> dining with another man. Also her role in every other 80s movie. Mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> Taylor believes that he can try to win her back by telling her that he has a major league job again, but is deflated when he finds out that that other guy is actually her fiance. Oh, because we haven't seen this story before. Is Renee Russo one of the most underrated beautiful women? Hmm. I mean, she is attractive. She's not attractive. She's girl me. next door attractive. Not to me. No? She's more like my aunt attractive. Yeah, Renee. I, lo I love my aunt, but I'm not attracted <laughs> to her. R Renee Russo never did it for me. Yeah, Renee Russo. See, for me, I, 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 I always had a thing for Renee Russo. Her, no, 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 I'm not saying... I'm not saying that there is anything wrong with Renee Russo. Yeah. If and someone were to I, tell me. I like, love my aunt. I just am not attracted to her. <laughs> I will say this. I'm trying to walk him out of this hole. I will say this. I am more attracted to Renee Russo than all of my aunts put together. Um, <laughs> She's not that attractive to me. Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. I, I can definitely understand like why some people love it. You know, different strokes for different folks. Um, so gross. Wake up, daddy. Show me. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Indians' new season starts off poorly. Vaughn's first pitching appearance ends poorly because he is unable to find the strike zone as he was in spring training. <laughs> Surprise! Uh, when he does find the strike zone, the, by the ball finds the outfield bleachers. Brown, manager Lou Brown, discovers that Vaughn's control is off because his eyesight is poor. Once Vaughn gets glasses, his control greatly improves and becomes the team's ace. Despite their flaws, the team begins to improve, so Phelps decides they have been coddled too much and removes their, quote, luxuries. <laughs> what, also, 1989 luxuries, they're, they, they're not considered luxuries. <laughs> no, they're not. They're, like, considered the bare minimum now. You like a Greyhound see, bus. Like what, <laughs> like what you would need to actually do your job. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so she does things such as replacing the team jet with a dilapidated prop <laughs> propeller plane that at one of the stops, the pilot is duct taping the blade back on. And apparently even the magazines inside the plane are very old. Yep. Because don't they exchange comic books from like the 30s? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, then after that doesn't work, she gives them an old bus. However, these changes do not affect the Indians' performance. The team continues to win. 
One night after an Indians loss where the team showed great promise, Brown mentions to Donovan that the team could do much better, perhaps even providing a few all-stars to the league if there is one thing to pull them all together. Donovan reveals Phelps' plan to Brown, who then relays the same news to the players. Brown also tells them that if the team plays too well for Phelps to avoid the lease, she will release them all regardless. With nothing left to lose, the team agrees to get back at Phelps by winning the pennant. Brown motivates the team further by providing a double-layered cardboard cutout of Phelps from her showgirl days. After every victory, a piece of the second layer is removed, eventually presenting a mostly nude picture of Phelps. Not going to lie, when I was a kid and saw this, I definitely didn't want the bikini underneath. Yeah. I thought I was going to see way more than I ended up seeing, yeah. and I was slightly depressed. As a child, I also I was very de- I was very depressed whenever I realized that's all, that that's it. And this might... And then as an adult, I'm like, really? That's what they were playing for, was to see a girl in a bikini? Well, and this, my know. friend, is what we call a MacGuffin. Because what? it is a plot device that moves this along. You're trying to tell me the only way to motivate these guys to win is to show them a cardboard cutout of a naked no, woman? that's not the purpose. It's the fact that they want her to fail. I think this is like... Yeah, I, think this, this is I like don't think the motivation was to it. see the cardboard thing. I think that was just something they were to laugh at. The motivation was to screw her over. Yeah. They wanted to royally screw her so over, I, and not in the good way. Yeah, the I, saw it. I, I saw it a little I was like, come on. This is... Yeah. This is it. This is how you motivate a bunch of guys. And this is how they portrayed him in the locker room. You know, they're hooting and hollering at a cardboard picture. Oh, I, th- I yeah, saw it as to like, like to sort of like laugh at the same thing. I don't hang out with you guys just to like get the joke. I hang out with you guys because I like you guys. Oh. If I get the joke as part of it, I'm going to enjoy it. They want to screw her over. If they get to look at a goofy cardboard and laugh at her, well, yeah, they're going to do that too. But that's the cardboard's not the motivation. Yeah, I, I, I saw it as almost like a we are going to expose her at her, like what she's trying to do to us by having exposing a her. And then in the process, we're going to visually expose her in the locker room. Look at he He went deep. I read a book once. Like deep um, in that crevice. <laughs> now, the team plays very well down the stretch of the season and clinch a tie for first place in the American League East, which is funny. I need to go back and find out how long ago, if ever, were the Indians in the American League East, JC. <laughs> um, and they do so by beating the Chicago White Sox, a team also not in the American League East. <laughs> I know that because I looked it up the other day. I think it's the it's either the central or the north. I don't know if there's an AFC. I think it's a central. Um, when did the when did the I'm gonna let this pass moments pass here? What do you mean? Oh, they moved. So the Cleveland Indians were a founding member of the American League East. They didn't move to the central until 1994. Oh, so this was 89. So it's beforehand. Yeah. So that it was correct. There I you be- go. I was also born in 91. So I, I was genuinely wondering. Um, so for you, they've always been in that one division. Well, no, I was three. Okay. I was three. Um, so on the last day of the season, they beat the Chicago White Sox, and they force a one-game playoff with the division co-leaders, the Yankees. Prior to the playoff, Taylor continues to pursue Lynn back, and they share a night together. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. With a hmm. scene where he uses his cleats. Now, let's say this. Is that dirty enough for you? I, this scene bothers me. On several levels. He never takes his cleats off. Always take your spikes off. You're not supposed to wear your spikes on the concrete. Uh, I understand he's in a rush. Uh, I also understand that it adds a nice layer to the movie. It's a little funny. It's a little romantic. Um, But 
Dude, that bullpen cart never would have followed her home at the right speed. <laughs> that bothers you? Yes. <laughs> Vaughn learns that he will not be the starting pitcher for the big game and goes to the bar to mope because the other pitchers had more success against the Yankees and sabermetrically, Vaughn has not had good outings. <laughs> Against this, thank you for team. getting sabermetrics. Money ball. 1880, <laughs> Go back to our Moneyball podcast. Um, the real major league. <laughs> no, Ooh. where he encounters a very aggressive gal that is unbeknownst to Wild Thing turns out to be Roger Dorn's wife Suzanne. And when I watched this as a child, I also didn't know that it was Suzanne Dorn because every time they show Suzanne Dorn, they show like this soft speaking, like hair down to the sh- shoulders, curly, like. Would yeah, like she's tea? not what she looks like in that dress. No, they make her look very different. So to a child that's watching this, I just see figures. I'm like, that is a different person because she's wearing different clothes and has a different voice and appearance. Yep. And I, her hair's up. Yeah, and her hair's up. Yeah, she, very good way to fool a 12-year-old. pretty curves. Very, yes. very pretty curves. Not baggy clothes. She wears a dress nicely. Very yes. un, undresses nicely. So... <laughs> The gist is this. She's salty after seeing Roger on television with another woman. So she responds by luring Vaughn to sleep with her. Vaughn is unaware of who she is, as were we all at one point in time. And until she tells him before she leaves uh, his apartment, he's like, oh, she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, uh, I'm Mrs. Dorn, Mrs. Roger Dorn. And Vaughn's like, I swear I didn't know. I so. It must be a pretty small town, Cleveland. I've never been to Cleveland. I've never been to Cleveland myself. It must be a small town. If you see this happen, you just go, "Well, I'm going to go find Rick Vaughn. I know exactly where he's at. Is at this bar right here, where nobody else is." Well, there you. Go. Yeah, I mean, Cleveland is not known for its nightlife. <laughs> Apparently, they got me a bullpen car just flying around all over the place. <laughs> we also don't know how close she lived to the stadium. Now, Taylor tells Vaughn to keep his distance from Dorn for most of the game well, by staying in the bullpen. The game remains scoreless until the seventh inning when Harris gives up two runs. Serrano comes to the plate in the bottom of the seventh and misses badly on two curveballs. He angrily threatens his voodoo jobu. Voodoo jobu. I do it myself. And then hits the next pitch, another curve, for a two-run blast that they use in the second movie. Uh, In the top of the ninth, the Yankees are able to load the bases for the power-hitting Clue Haywood. Rick's kryptonite. And Lou decides to bring Vaughn in to pitch for him. Now, uh, Taylor is reluctant, but Brown has a strong hunch that Vaughn is due. Dorn now knows about Ricky Vaughn and his wife because, as this adulterous wife of his, tells him before the game, which is not a caring move for her if she wants the Indians to be successful. She's just adding more distractions to the dugout. Um, And so he's kept it quiet until the bottom of the ninth when Vaughn comes into the game. Now... He decides to call a personal timeout, goes to the mound, which is very unheard of for a third baseman, unless the pitcher's struggling, takes the ball from Dorn and says, let's cut the crap, Don. Let's cut Don. through the crap, Vaughn. I only got one thing to say to you. Strike this mother for out. Then he puts the ball back in his glove and jogs back to third. I've said it before. <laughs> while Taylor haunts, while Taylor taunts Haywood from behind home plate, Vaughn strikes out his nemesis on three straight fastballs to end the inning. Each one getting faster and faster and faster. Yeah. A hundred and two. If only Henry Rowan Gardner could have done that. Oh, funky butt loving. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> funky butt. 
butt lover. Yeah, what? Fuck no, you. I didn't say butt loving. I didn't say butt loving, not lover. Those are two different things. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're similar things. Um, it would be funky regardless. The funny thing is, when that movie came out, we were kids. We obviously didn't know anything about sodomy, no. and so we were. <laughs> So we were like walking around elementary school going funky butt loving. Oh, I totally did and that. And no one stopped us. I screamed, I screamed that to all of my friends. Hey, nice. <laughs> um, hilarious. Um, How many assholes we got on this ship anyhow? Yo, with two outs in the bottom of the ninth, Hayes manages an infield single. The Yankees respond by bringing in their head hunting closer, Duke Simpson which is an amazing closer's name, to pitch to Taylor. After Hayes steals second, Taylor and Lou trade signs in the dugout. Then Taylor points to center field, calling his shot. First time since the great Bambino did this. Which actually did happen. It is a historical accuracy. Huh? The Duke responds by throwing a fastball straight at Taylor's head right in the five hole. But the veteran is undeterred and gets back up and points again to the outfield bleachers. <laughs> However, with Hayes running, Taylor bunts instead, catching the Yankees infield off guard. And maybe the second biggest shit since Aliens and uh, Spaceballs. Because the third baseman, when he realized he's bunting... Like his one, his mouth is off of the audio, yes. and it's a slow motion, <laughs> and they just go, shit. <laughs> Which is what is it? Alien Resurrection. Well, when when it gets pulled up in the ceiling, <laughs> no, that, no, that was a. Fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, never he mind. Goes, so it might be the best. Goes, <laughs> <laughs> just so misplaced. Um, Despite, a, despite his weak knees, Taylor manages to beat out the throw to first as Hayes rounds third and heads for home plate. I feel like Harry Doyle's doing the game right now. <laughs> I was like, he's doing a pretty good Doyle. Hayes slides safely into home, giving the Indians the win on a walk-off single. As the team celebrates, Dorn punches Vaughn in the face, but then helps him up to continue the celebration. Jake finds Lynn in the stands because she could afford those seats as a librarian. And he knew exactly where she was. Because well, it's easy and, like... Not many people. Who raises her left hand to show that she is no longer faithful. Which you can and, see from that far away. And Well, I mean, this, the hand symbol. She's not wearing an engagement ring, and they reunite as the film closes. According to the people at Rotten Tomatoes, this has a tomato meter reading of 83%, 33 fresh reviews, and 7 rotten. Those 7 people are idiots. You're, they must be Yankees fans. Yeah, they may have a point. No. The critics, on average, gave no. this film a 6.5 out of 10. The audience score, which is the average rating of the audience gave the film, is a 3.4 out of 5, with an 84% agreeing, agreeing that it's at a 3 or higher. Critics' consensus reads, Major League may be predictable and formulaic, but buoyed, 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 buoyed <laughs> by the script's light, silly humor, not to mention the well-built sports action sequences and funny performances. All right, now... <laughs> I'm going to read this even though it's not in my color and now it is time to play a segment we call did the awards get it right Academy Awards music okay let me get it queued up here because I'm I have two things going on at the same time and uh, card play there nope not card play how about music review transitions here we go All right, for the Academy Awards, zero nominations and zero wins. That should be a zero after Golden Globes, too. For Golden Globes, defying all odds, apparently. <laughs> zero nominations on one win. Nope, zero wins. Zero wins. <laughs> now, it didn't win any. And I looked on IMDb because they usually have a little yellow bar that says nominations and awards. It was nominated for nothing. 
Atrocious. So, everybody, <laughs> did the awards get it right? Everyone together. One, two, three. No. Yes. Um, now, <laughs> what did you think after watching this film, JC? It's been long enough that when I saw it this week, it was still funny to me. Uh, it makes me nostalgia for baseball when I was a kid. Literally, when I watch this movie, I feel like I'm watching the 1993 World Series and the Phillies again. It just it makes me a kid. J- Joe? Well, <laughs> Joel and I saw this at a midnight showing a few months back, and I can honestly say I'm glad I saw this when I was a teenager. I could appreciate more as a teenager, but it didn't help that there was this big prick in the front row who was yelling out quotes from the movie, but all the wrong quotes. Like, he'd do the off quote. Yeah. <laughs> like You could tell that he knew what was coming next, but he didn't memorize the full quote itself. He yeah. was with two couples. You could tell they were like, we brought this dick along. Yeah. <laughs> like you did. Yeah. It, like he would have been like, F you, Joe Boo, I will do it without you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it, was, <laughs> it was like the good value quote. Um, I still love How about this you? movie. It, it gets better. I it's it's starting to get on the Caddyshack level in that like I watch it and I still laugh out loud. Like I watch this with I watch it twice this week, once with my uh one of my other roommates, and we were both just like giggling and quoting it and laughing because like this is still just like a very good quotable movie. Um but on to our next segment called Top Three Bottom Three. Ooh. This is where we pick our top three things that we love or our scene or the scenes that we like in the movie. And then we choose three things we dislike about the film or what we find the weakest. Let's start with the top three. JC, what are your top three things you want to highlight in this movie? Number three, I love the bunt. I just think that's a fun scene. I like yeah. the bunt scene. Number two is Lou Brown. Everything he says <laughs> from like the the making fun of them during training camp to like the insults to make them better to the like, holy cow, how did I make this work? Like, I love Lou Brown. And then, I mean, Lou Brown and Harry Doyle, they're kind of tied. Like, just the two of them are so quotable. They make this movie. If you take either one of them out of this movie, this movie's terrible. So my number one is Harry Doyle. Uh, my number three is everything and anything that happens during training camp. That that part I could watch. I wish they would have made two hours of that. <laughs> That looks fun. My number two is the quotability. It, there is so many quotes that you use in the first half of this movie. We're just like, this is amazing. And my number one also, Bob Damn Euchre. Yeah, he's, uh, he's another person where everything he says, him and Monty, comedy gold. <laughs> he's not the best color man in the business, folks. <laughs> Joel, what about yours? My number three is that the I love the fact that they chose Cleveland. Um, <laughs> and I love the opening song by Randy Newman. Yeah. Um, Cleveland City of Lights. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> Space is a place for Star Wars. <laughs> um, my number two is also Lou Brown. <laughs> Literally everything about him. Yeah. When he stands butt naked in front of what's her name, he's like. And he's not even shy about We're it. We're out of towels and I'm too We're old to go diving into lockers. Um <laughs> A very funny video for anybody to look up right now is uh, David Ross played for the Braves and the Red Sox. I love David Ross. And then actually. ended up playing for the Cubs uh, to help them win their World Series. David Ross did a promo for MLB TV or MLB, uh, the MLB network, where he did voices for uh, all the people in Major League. And so he plays each person. They did like a mini montage of essentially, I think, the trailer. And it's hilarious. And he has one of the best Lou Brown voices. And my number one is Bob Euchre. 
Bob <laughs> he's Harry all our number one. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> he's like he's hand down, hands down, the best part of this movie, and not just because he's got a good voice, not because like what he says is funny, but the application of what he says is hilarious. And not only that, like even the things that aren't jokes, the way he applies them are hilarious. Like, just a bit outside. Like that, and that's a great <laughs> example. And when. Like every, he's saying, like he's just stretching the truth of everything that's actually happening oh, on the yeah. field. So his commentary of just like the dull stands and everything that's happening, but him just adding that positive pep to it. I mean, he does it in the second one too, where he goes back and forth between the guy from New York or yes. the guy that he end up trading. He's just amazing. <laughs> like I will still listen to Brewers games on the radio. Like if the Indians and the Red Sox aren't playing, I will listen to Brewers games, especially like before I go to sleep, because he is still the radio voice of the Brewers. Oh, who yeah. loves him more, Indians fans or Brewers fans? Oh, uh, I would. Say, I mean, in reality, probably Brewers fans do. I'm sure like love him more because he's been with them for 40 years, probably. But Indians fans probably like have a definite soft spot for him. <laughs> <laughs> now let's get to the bottom three. Yes. Time to vent. Jams. Doyle bugs me. Harry Doyle? Yeah. He's, he's your number me. one. Yeah, it's Bob Uecker. Wait, wait. No. Dorn. 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 Oh, Dorn. <laughs> Dorn. Dorn. Never mind. Yeah, I can't I he's your Dorn. One. <laughs> Dorn bugs me. Dorn, the third baseman, the pretty boy. Okay. He just bugs me because I had friends like that who thought they were too good and they couldn't mm. get dirty. And he just bugs me he, he brings out all of the kids i hated as a kid oh um the seriousness of the jake lynn love story like you, you sort of said it and i'm like yeah like he is a drama actor like tom berenger is it doesn't play comedy and it's the more i think about it you could literally take that whole thing out because he doesn't even work as like the leader of the team like cliche like you could literally take him out and it would be okay and the other thing is is like has this become too dated like, can I show this to the boy? Can I, like, can I admit that I like this without somebody, like, judging me? Like, I feel like this what? is one of those movies that can now be, like, labeled so offensive. But it's just, like, I still want to laugh at it. I still find it funny. But am I just going to be judged for it? Is it bad that I'm trying to think of what's offensive? I, I really can't. Well, I'm going to go into mine now. So, <laughs> <laughs> number three, this movie does not need the seriousness of Jake and Lynn. No, it doesn't. It, the comedy has been rolling so far and you're just slowing down the laughs. Uh, my number two is the sexism in this movie only gets people who are looking to be offended hyped up today. That being said, I am not a female. I don't know if I would be offended if I saw this for the first time today, because everything in this movie basically machismo. screams machismo, machismo. And I mean, there's so much adultery in this. And again, but it's like classic 80s. And the sad thing is, is I thought that was funny in the 80s. But now, am I not allowed to laugh at things from the 80s now? Because it's in a, like that's I that's my conflict with this movie is I love this movie and I would laugh out loud like he does. But is it one of those like I don't want people to know I laugh out loud because they're just going <clears> to <throat> judge me for it? I think we're fortunate we saw that when we were younger, we can appreciate it. And that's why we bring that nostalgia to this movie. Oh, I don't yeah. I don't think y'all have seen enough stuff that's out now to know how like truly <laughs> offensive it is. Like, have you seen like the first five? minutes of eastbound and down yes no you notice that that show kind of flew under the radar and it was canceled after like three seasons it's also an extremely popular show. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely it has a it. cult following yeah i mean cult means small i know what <laughs> <laughs> thanks mr teacher you're welcome <laughs> you done 
did. Yeah, I'm done. Okay, okay, cool. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. The movie gets less funny as the story progresses. My number three, <laughs> uh, the leaps of faith uh, in the movie. I don't like that the I don't like the scene with the golf cart. That they like. I mean, some things I can take for a stretch. But like, take the bullpen cars. Like that thing travels 15 miles per hour at most. <laughs> I get it. Like Cleveland's small. If she lives near the library, that's downtown too. I think, but he wouldn't have been able to follow her car. And if he did, she would have seen the giant. Golf cart shaped like a baseball in a rearview mirror. <laughs> yeah. um, I I don't love that the crowd stays at ten percent for the entire movie in the stands, and then the moment they get a playoff game, it's packed. It would have filled up a little bit more as the season yeah. goes along. Mm-hmm. Um, but the playoff scene where they do run onto the field is absolutely electric. Um, and like even last night, like when I was typing it writing, I was like, "Ooh, goosebumps!" Yeah, because there's nothing better than postseason baseball. That's um, true. Number two is I love the silliness in the movie, but I zone out when they try to go serious. I understand that it was the pattern of the era. You had to have some type of love story going on. Um, and Renee Russo always seems to find her way into that story. See Tin Cup. Um, awesome movie. It is a great movie. Um, and my number one is that if I ever have kids, I'm sad that they won't know who Chief Wahoo is. And I'm going to have to explain the Indians logo to them when they see my hat. Um, <laughs> well, I, I want to add something here, and that is, I forgot. Never mind. <laughs> that, was, so, that was quick. <laughs> I disagree. Who is the audience for this movie? JC? Baseball and 80s fans. Joe? Uh, baseball fans and those who appreciate goofy humor. Humor? Humor. Humor. Nah, I'm going to agree with Joe. I think he nailed it. Baseball fans and those who love that dumb humor. Um, now, going into our critical, critical rating. What a world, what a world. Where A is superior or excellent in the school books. Uh, B is above average. C is average. D is below average. F is a total failure in the sports film. Oh, comedy film genre. <laughs> Give us a grade and some comments that defend your grade, Jesse. In all honesty, there's only two knocks I can give this movie. One is the whole attempt at a love story. Like, that bugs me. So because of the whole comedy aspect of it, that knocks it down from an A to an A-. minus, And then I knock it down from an A- minus to a B plus because I just... It, it, because of the datedness of it. Because of the time that has passed. And whereas Caddyshack, yes, it's dated. And yes, Caddyshack feels nostalgic. Nobody can... F- find blatant like offensiveness in, in Caddyshack. Look unless, out girls. I got a salami. I got to hide still. Unless, unless, <laughs> unless there be an Uber PC. No, I, I 100%. The problem is, is like the PC police could go like way over the world with this. And that kind of bugs me a little bit. And yeah, that just frustrates me. So B plus I'm a solid, solid B plus. Uh, Joe. Okay. When we did the dumb and dumber uh, podcast, I created a little report card for comedies. Uh, it has five sections, casting, plot, direction, quotability, and legacy. So for casting, I love the cast of this movie right up until Tom Berger and Rene Russo. For some reason, they don't feel like they fit in a comedy. So I'm giving casting a B because they are the main characters of this movie. Uh, for the plot, this is a thin plot at best. The reason why they try to win games is because they want to see the owner naked on a cardboard cutout because they were already winning games before. Uh, it's only later that they realize that this is more for their own legacies beyond the season. There are subplots added into this movie to legitimize it and give the characters some audience appeal, but the way this movie starts, it feels like two different writers were pinning the script. 
one from Caddyshack, and one from For the Love of the Game. Oh, good movie. So I'm giving the plot an average rating, a C. Now, direction... Filming sports movies has to be hard. The movie, this movie frames some really cool shots, and the actors are pretty consistent in their characters. And for this, I'm giving the direction of this an A-. minus. Quotability, this movie has a lot of quotable lines. Most of them are from Bob Uecker, though. So a B for quotes. And my legacy, the fact that this movie can be argued as a top 20 sports movie and a top 20 comedy of the 80s is a testament to its staying power. It may not be something I have to see, but it's definitely a movie that I'm glad I saw. So I'm giving this a B here also. So overall, I got a B, a C, an A minus, a B, and a B. So it is a B for me. Joel? This is one of my favorite all-time movies right under Caddyshack. Um, the top three in the Pantheon that I've reviewed with you guys, mm-hmm. uh, Caddyshack, Dumb and Dumber, and Spaceballs. Something, oh, I didn't realize I typed this much. Very neat. Um, Strangely enough, I don't think you were here for all the, any of those, were you? Um, I was here for Caddyshack. Okay. Spaceballs, I 100% agree with the rating. Mm. Uh, no. So okay. something that needs to be noted, um, that although this is a dumb and goofy movie, not to be confused with a goofy movie and <laughs> or an extremely goofy movie. Both of which are really good movies. Yeah, eh, I, I like I yeah. liked extremely goofy movie better, but I digress. Um, <laughs> this essentially happened two years ago. Nobody talked about how Major League was happening right in front of us. And in real life, it genuinely was hilarious to follow. That was my original view when I was thinking about like sports movies because like you're watching this as a sports movie you're like this will never happen and I was like holy crap like it, this actually kind of did happen it did actually to, like, happen a yeah. lesser extreme um <clears throat> if I'm if I'm gonna go average above average excellent this isn't no this is a very good movie it is extremely quotable um and yes Bob Euchre does have some of the best quotes but it's funny like I I have to disagree when I talk to the people that I talk about like a lot of people have Eddie quotes and so like everyone has like their favorite character. I think this is quotable across the board. Um, it's hilarious. It's got a good story. The only problem is that it does have a love story to it. And if the love story were a great part of the comedy, like dumb and dumber, I think the fact that his love that is totally not real for Mary Swanson Like, that's what drives the movie. That is how I think you fit a love story into a comedy. You can't have Dumb and Dumber without the love story. Right. Or the the lust story, we will. Right. You can 100% have, you can have Major League without the love story between those two. Yeah. Um, Yes, I, I think they still do a good job at fitting it in. I don't think that Jake was a total waste because I think that somewhere in this movie, other than the manager, you needed the straight laced player. But David Ross on this team essentially was Jake Taylor. But I don't know. For you don't need the love story, but it doesn't totally stand out. It doesn't feel like you're going to a separate movie. I still believe that this is an I think this is an excellent movie. I think it has its flaws. So it's not a perfect A. But if I'm going on above average, I think it's better than above average. I think that it is an excellent comedy. It's hilarious. And it is maybe the best of the, if we're going to go to Joe's subgenres of, of horror movies, the, I think this is maybe the best sports comedy. And so for that, I have to give it an A-. minus. So that's my grade. So, All right. you want to revisit our list of movies in the top comedy pantheon? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so number one was Caddyshack. Number two is Dumb and Dumber. Three is Mean Girls. Four is Spaceballs. 
Uh, are we going to add my score to Dumb and Dumber? We we can. We'll, we'll have to sit down one day and do that because I wasn't here for Mean Girls. I wasn't here for Ghostbusters or Ghostbusters 16. Touche. 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 And that'll take a lot of time. Touche. So, <laughs> this movie falls in at a B plus, Major League, above Ghostbusters, which, okay. <laughs> and, uh, I'll be, I, 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 and it's obviously pushing Ghostbuster 16 down further, which is kind of nice because we got to get that out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the top four for a second here. <laughs> How would we reorder those? Um, Caddyshack one, Spaceballs two. Because we can reorder it. I mean, it's, they're all A's. They're all the same score. Uh, year, year they came out. Oldest one first. So whichever was the first one out. So I guess it would be, was Spaceballs before Caddyshack? No. So then Caddyshack's one, yeah. then Spaceballs, then which was, was Dumb and Dumber or Mean Girls? Oh, Dumb and Dumber was. So then yeah. Caddyshack, Spaceballs, Dumb and Dumber, Mean Girls. Oldest to newest. Okay, what do you think, Joel? That's fine. All right. I'll put those in there. So now it's Caddyshack, Spaceballs, Dumb and Dumber, and Mean Girls. Although if we add JC's grade in there, Dumb and Dumber falls below Mean Girls. We will assess that at a later date. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, we did revisit Moneyball for you. You did. Maybe it is only fair that at some point when JC gets a chance to nominate a movie, he can re-nominate Spaceballs. No, I'm completely okay because Spaceballs is an I mean, okay. So it's okay. Do you want to re-nominate Dumb and Dumber? No, because I'm okay giving you the grade. I've seen the movie. I don't need to reevaluate it. But, but part of it is, what did you think after watching it this week? Ah. Uh, okay, so that's it right there. Caddyshack, Spaceballs, Dumb and Dumber, Mean Girls, Major League, Ghostbusters 84, and then that other Ghostbusters movie that came out in the 16. So, okay. You so, know what? Ghostbusters 84 may bump up because he didn't give his grade. I know you were so mad at me because I gave a low grade, but... I'll have to, it's on Netflix. We'll revisit that one also. There it's on. Later, we're visiting years later. There you go. Later. There you go. It is on Netflix. I will have to watch it again. I'll just let you borrow it. it was, <laughs> that was one of the that was the uh, that was the first DVD that I personally bought for myself. Yeah, and it scratched halfway through. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. I would have cried. Um, now let's take our critics critics hats off. Pop. Uh, do you love this movie, like this movie, or none of the above, JC? Like it. Joe? I'm a like it. I'm a love it. Go tribe. Now, <laughs> JC, Joe. Yes. Would you like to close yes. this out? Have you ever seen the seagull? That's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, JC has nominated Darby O'Gill and the Little People from 1959 for the family film Pantheon. Right in time for St. Patrick's Day. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean. Give us a four or five star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They're included here for the purpose of review, and no infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching. And every drop of 
and the thrush is singing gaily and standing in the doorway is a pretty irish girl oh she is my dear my darling one her eyes so sparkling full of fun no other no other can match the likes of her she is my dear my darling one the smiling and beguiling one i love the ground she looks upon my pretty irish girl Oh, she's my dear, my darling one, her eyes so sparkling, full of fun. No other, no other can match the likes of her. Oh, he is my dear, my darling one, his eyes so sparkling, full of fun. No other, no other can match the likes of him. She's my dear, my darling one, my smiling and beguiling one. I love the ground she walks upon. 